Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. In the world. Being a part of this and being a part of this and being able to stand in front of you with the privilege of preaching the Word of God, I want you to know it blesses my heart. And um, I'm just happy to be part of this church. I, I fell in love with this church. Ooh, I'm going to start crying. I didn't intend to say any of this. I fell in love with this church years ago before God ever put me here. And uh, I want you to know I feel like one of you. I don't feel like the pastor most of the time. I'm a member of this church because I love this church and I love what God's doing here. And um, as long as he lets me lead, we're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep going and we're going to take every opportunity we can to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And any door he's going to let us walk in, anywhere in the world, we'll go. And so you pray about how God's going to use you and how he wants to impact this world from little old Rosemont Baptist Church. Because we're going to do great things through the power of Christ working in us. Okay, let me pray for us and we're going to begin. Father, thank you for what you do. Thank you for this church and the ministries of this church and what you've given us here. Father, we are so incredibly blessed. And Lord, we want to just stop and be very clear that we express to you, Father, that it's because of you that we do these things. We completely trust you. Father, we love you and praise you in all things. We proclaim you as the king of the universe. And for whatever reason, you have called weak, frail, sinful people to be part of your plan to redeem the world back to yourself. And so we count it a privilege to be part of that. We count it an honor to be called and used according to your purposes and according to your plan. So, Father, you strengthen us, you encourage us, you use us to do great things. As we open the truth of your word, Father, just speak directly into our hearts with precision, Lord, right into the areas that need to be changed. Give us the strength and the courage to hear from you, to know you, to trust you in all things. And Lord, through the power of the Spirit, may we be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. A couple of very quick things as you're finding John 17. Last week, we voted on Jeremy Phillips. Uh, went through with flying colors. Uh, huge, huge majority in favor. And so Jeremy's here this morning. I'm not sure. Is he in this service? Jamie, are you in here? There's Jamie right there. Okay. Jeremy's lurking around. He told me this morning he was going to kind of walk around and talk to people and go in classes. So he may be in a Sunday school class right now. We're excited they're here, excited for the work the Lord's going to do through them. I just praise him for all that's going on in this church. And our South Asia team made it through with no problem. I pray that you prayed for them. I did. Uh, I felt just real uh, convicted and um, just a, a sense of the Lord at that time to pray for them. And so I spent a good bit of time praying. Um, and just ask the Lord to bless. As I know many of you did, they went through with no problems. So they are in the country now ministering, and we'll get to hear from them um, when they get back here in just a couple of weeks. John chapter 17, we are continuing our study this morning of our sermon series entitled Sent. And we've kind of made the case over the last many weeks that we serve ascending God. From the beginning, 
He has been sending people to accomplish his purposes. And so we've asked the question, right? We should always try to take the truth of Scripture and figure out how to apply it to our lives, right? Scripture should never just be a theoretical or just kind of an academic discussion. We should always take the truth of God's Word, figure out how to apply it and insert it into our lives. And so the way we kind of begin to apply this idea of the sentness of Christ and how the Lord has sent His people is to ask a very personal question, what is God sending me to do? What does God want me to accomplish He sent all these people all through Scripture, Jesus and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Paul and John the Baptist and last week Moses, and we see all these examples of Christ sending people to accomplish specific things. And so we ask ourselves the question, we should apply this to our lives, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What are you sending me to accomplish? And so we've given you the, the little acronym. I think we can probably pull it up again just to help you remember what sent means. Spirit-empowered, evangelistic, no limits. So we, we are sent in the power of the Spirit to reach the world for Christ. There are no limits to what we can do. So let me just kind of maybe head you off at the past just for a second because I just feel like sometimes we get into this place in our lives where we don't believe Christ can use us. And we don't believe he's got a purpose for us. And maybe we don't think we can accomplish things for him. Those are untrue statements. In fact, scripturally, we see that because we've been sent and called and given the power of the Spirit, there really are no limits. There's nothing that Christ can't accomplish through your life if you're obedient to him and if you trust him. And so this morning we're going to look at John chapter 17 because I want, to, I want to make this connection again to you that as Christ was sent, we are sent. And so if you're in John chapter 17, we're going to focus on the first five verses this morning. But I want you to see verse 18 because it's very important for us to make the connection between Christ was sent and how we're sent. So John 17, 18, I think we have it on the screen. Jesus, in his own words, praying to God the Father and he says... As you sent me into the world, Jesus says, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, right? So just, just let's make the connection here, right? As Jesus was sent, he now sends us. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks a, a couple of examples when Jesus says, listen, my, my followers, that's you, are going to do greater things than even I've been able to accomplish, Jesus says, I'm sending you into the world, and I'm, I'm really expecting you to do more than I've ever done. Why is that possible? Because there are no limits when we allow the Lord to work through us. And so just a little bit of background of John 17 before we jump into this. This is known as, as a high priestly prayer. And if you've got your Bibles with you and you've got kind of what's known as the red letter edition, the red letter edition, all the words of Christ are in red, okay? If you were to flip back, and you were to notice all of cha- most of John chapter 13, most of John chapter 14, most of John 15, most of John 16, most of John 17 are red. Now, just a, just a little translation. No, you probably know this, but I always like to just throw things in to help you understand better. When this was originally translated, they didn't write it in red. Did you know that? The, the original guys didn't get out a red quill and some red ink and write it in red. This is just an insertion of modern translators. It just helps us better understand. Listen, these are the words of Christ. We need to be aware of what he's saying. We need to pay attention to what he's saying. And so Jesus, at this point in John 17, has kind of lived his life. He's gone through ministry. 
ministry. He's done miraculous things. He's waiting now literally to walk into Jerusalem for the final time. He's going to give himself up to be crucified to follow the will of his father. And so he's got just these last few moments on earth. He's going to spend them in John 13, 14, 15, 16, teaching and training his disciples. He's intentional in his last few moments, in his last few hours, in his last few days to train and to be with the followers that he's loved so dearly throughout his life. And then in John 17, it changes a little bit. This is important. He's been teaching, he's been training, he's been equipping, he's been intentional. Then John chapter 17 begins a prayer known as the high priestly prayer. And we're going to walk through the first five verses today and we're going to hit on John 17 for the next couple of weeks. Because it's in this moment that Jesus is going to not only remind us that he's been sent, but encourage us in our sentness, right? So the things that Christ has been sent to do, we should understand, which we're going to see in Scripture this morning, and then figure out how we can apply these things to our lives. So John 17, beginning in verse 1. After this, or after Jesus said this, in other words, all he's taught in John 13 through 16, after he said all these things, after he finished teaching, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. So the recorded prayer of Jesus Christ, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have, here's the word, sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world Began. Here's truth number one. Jesus was sent with authority over all things. Jesus was sent with authority over all things. I want you to notice what's going on with this prayer that Jesus prays for his followers. Because Jesus understands the importance of prayer. In fact, if you were to kind of study the life of Christ and the ministry of Jesus, really foundational to what Christ accomplished and what he did and his miracles and all the things that took place, foundational to all those things happening was prayer. In fact, Jesus kind of undergirded everything he did with the power of prayer. And so we read verses like Mark 1.35, speaking of Christ, very early in the morning, While it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, he went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, and he says to his followers, this is how you should pray, and he gives them the model prayer. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Jesus understands, and this is just a real point of application for our lives, Jesus understands the necessity of regular, fervent, powerful prayer. Now, I would say to you, maybe one of the weaknesses of the American church is the lack of prayer. It's almost as if the Lord has said to us, listen, I'm I'm giving you this powerful thing right here. I'm going to give you this element in your life of prayer, this act of prayer. If you'll be obedient to prayer, I'll, I'll use you in great ways. He's given us this power, and for some reason, we tend to neglect it. 
I had the privilege, I told you last week, to be in prayer, certainly for our team going to South Asia, and I so appreciate those prayers. I know they felt them. Randy texted me and said they flew right through, no problem. They just could sense our prayers because there were no issues. While they were kind of leaving and getting ready to go, Philip McClung, our preschool and children's minister, and I were in Guatemala. We spent the week in Guatemala. We left early Monday morning, spent the week in Santa Lucia, which is where Megan and Joe are going to be. Bubby, you've been to Santa Lucia. You've seen it. We spent some time there this week getting to know the pastor there and some of the members and traveling out to see some of the different ministry opportunities. And and Philip and I were just reminded um, not only that God is at work all over the world, I see that everywhere we go, but the decision that Megan and Joe made to be in that city was exactly right. Philip and I just sensed the same thing as we prayed and talked to these leaders and we just felt like the Lord was doing a a great work there. We had the opportunity to, to speak to some of the brothers of the local church And one of the leaders of the church, Luis, one of the associate pastors, I think he took y'all around when you were down there. He started telling us a little bit about his church. And I I love Luis because he was very humble and kind of unassuming. And you had to kind of draw things out from him. He didn't just volunteer all this stuff. We had to ask him questions and get to know him a little bit more. And we started learning towards the end of the week about kind of how he leads their students. They have 15 or 20 students in this little city, in this little church, and they're, you know, 13 to 18 or 19, kind of the young adult, teenage crowd. And he leads these students. And I say, what are some of the things that you do with these students, Luis? And he says, well, we have prayer together on a regular basis. I was like, man, that's cool. I like that. What, what, when do you pray? I'm thinking, you know, Sunday morning or every now and then they get together and, and have this prayer time. And I said, tell me about your prayer time. He said, well, uh, every other Friday, I'm, I'm, every other Friday, We get together as a student group at 6 p.m. We pray from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Every other Friday. And I said, like like I heard him wrong, right? The translation, I missed the translation. Like like you you did that once last year, right? You had some kind of a prayer vigil one time last year and you prayed all night. No, 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 no. Every other Friday, we pray from 6 p.m., to 6 a.m. I said, what are some of the things you prayed about? He lists all these things. He said, well, when Megan and Joe first came, we didn't know where they were going to be. We didn't know where they were going to live or what, what area they were going to pick. And we, he said, we were pretty confident they were going to pick a different area. In fact, uh, one of the leaders had said to his church, I'm 99% sure Megan and Joe will pick another place. And so you know what Luis and his students did? They prayed that Megan and Joe would make the right decision for the Lord. Not that we'll get them and we'll benefit, but they'll make the right, and God will use them in powerful ways. They had an all-night vigil. And I I sat there with that man and just fell under deep conviction because, I'll just be completely transparent with you, I have not led our church to have a prayer vigil for Megan and Joe all night. We hadn't done that. And there are people. And here's this church in Guatemala that has, if you want to just think about like resources, if you wanted to judge based on resources, they have nothing we have everything. And yet they understand the power of prayer. And because of that, God uses them. And God directs them. And God gives them the ability to accomplish things that without the power of Christ, they could never accomplish. And I, I, I walked away from that meeting thinking, what am I missing? <laughs> Just imagine if we could take the resources of the American church if we could kind of get the fire that they have to do the things they do. Could you imagine if, if this church, and I'm not, I'm not, don't get scared, I'm not telling you we're going to do this, but if every other Friday night we had an all-night prayer vigil, 
Could you imagine what the Lord could do through us? See, see, Christ understands this power of prayer. He modeled it in his life. He taught it to his disciples. After he was finished teaching them in the last few moments of his life, he prays for them. And so I want to look at what he prayed. I want you to see what he prayed because it's awfully important. Look there again in verse 1. He looks to heaven and he prays and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. We're going to get to the idea of glory here in just a second. So set that aside. It's extremely important. But look what he says in verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Christ says, listen, you've given me, Father, authority over all these people. Now I want to take it a step farther. Pull point one back up if you would for me, please, Wanna. I gave you point one that Jesus was sent with authority over all things. Now, included in that would be all people. That's what Scripture says. But if we study the life of Christ, we understand that Jesus, not just he doesn't just have power over people. He's got power and authority over all things. For example, Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So let's just think through this, right? Understanding who Christ is. If we pray to God the Father through the power of the Spirit in the name of Christ, because all authority has been given to Him, we are limitless. There are no limits in what we can accomplish. If we'll pray to the Father and trust him. D.A. Carson, who's a very well-known pastor, theologian. I love what he says. Everything and everyone in the universe is subject to this kingdom whether the point is acknowledged or not. You get that? We're subject to the kingdom of the Lord whether we know about it or not. And Jesus says in verse 3, this includes salvation. I've, I've been given authority over all people that includes salvation. Then he says in verse 3, and I want to be very clear here. I don't ever want to miss the opportunity to clearly explain salvation. This is eternal life, Jesus says. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now let's just be real clear here because there's confusion sometimes. Salvation is not based on your good works. It's not based on your good thoughts. It's not based on your good intentions. It's not based on your church attendance, how much you give. All those things are good and they matter and there's a place for them. But if you just want to boil this down and be kind of simple about salvation, if you want to understand the truth of salvation, we find scripturally that salvation is found only in Christ. And it's only through a personal relationship with Christ that you're saved. All those other things go away in the end. It's how we deal with Christ and our relationship with him that matters. Now look at what Jesus does in verse 1. Because this is going to tie us into the next section here. He prays, he looks to heaven and he says, Father, the hour has come. Now what hour is this? Well, if you understand the life of Christ, you'd know that there are multiple occasions through his life where somebody asked him to do something and he says to them, the hour's not yet come for me. It's not yet my time. For example, when he's at the wedding and, and, and he's told to turn the water into wine, right? And his mom is there and she's asking him to do this. And he says to her, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. In other words, it's not time yet for me to do all these things. 
It's not time, and he says this is multiple different occasions when Christ says, listen, it's not time, it's not time, it's not time. And now he says in John 71, the hour is come. It's, it's now my time. Time for what? Well, he's lived his life. He's lived his ministry with kind of one goal. Now, we think about Christ, and we think about all that he accomplished, and all that he did, and all that we gave. And we think about his miracles, and his teaching, and his preaching, and his leadership, and his disciple-making, and all those are true, and great, and important, and part of his life. But he came to this earth for one very simple reason, to walk to that cross, and to die for our sins. That's why he came. And so he says to his followers, listen, it's time for me to walk to the cross, to give my life for the Lord, and look, to glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Here's truth number two. Christ was sent with all authority, one. Number two, Jesus was sent to glorify the Father. Jesus was sent to glorify the Father. Now, the word glory actually appears five times in the first five verses, four more times in the chapter. So in chapter 17, the word glory is used nine different times. We can say with some certainty that the goal of Christ in walking to the cross and giving his life was to bring glory to the Father. And so as we, again, take Scripture and try to apply it to our lives, how often are we willing to sacrifice ourselves in order to bring bring glory to the Father? It's a fair question to ask. What, What are you doing in your life on a regular basis that glorifies the Lord? You say, I I get that. Yeah, bringing glory to the Lord and... And um, yeah, I want to bring glory to the Lord. I want to do that. But how do I glorify the Lord? Christ tells us in verse 4. Pull that up if you would for me, please. Here's what Jesus says. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. If, if, it's just kind of a simple, let's just make this as easy as possible. If you want to bring glory to the Lord, then you do the things he calls you to do. You understand that? You finish the work he's called you to finish. Jesus says, listen, all I've accomplished and all I've done and all I'm going to do as I walk to the cross, I'm going to finish and complete the work you've given me to do. And when I do that, Father, I will bring you glory. Okay, so just a, a litmus test for you. If you're not living your life Based on the truth of the teachings of Christ, you're not bringing him glory. Did you know that? Let's take it a step farther. Let's let's delve a little more deeply. If you're picking and choosing the things you want to follow and the way in which you live and some of the things you do and some of the other things you don't, you're not bringing glory to the Lord. Notice Jesus doesn't say, look, I'm going to bring you glory by doing most of what you call me to do. But listen, Father, there were three or four things I just couldn't do. I mean, I just, seriously, Lord, I couldn't do those, so I left those off, but I'm still going to bring you glory. That's all he says. He says, I'm going to bring you glory by finishing the work. See that? Completing the work. Everything you've called me to do, I'm going to do, and then I'm going to bring you glory. One writer explained it like this. By going to the cross, Jesus showed that there was nothing that the love of God was not prepared to do and suffer for men, that there was literally no limit to it. 
So the way that we glorify the Lord is we take the model of Christ. Remember, Christ glorified the Father by dying on the cross and eventually resurrection. We'll see that in a minute. The way we bring glory to the Lord is by obeying Him. Think about it like this. If you have children or grandchildren, when a child obeys a parent, they honor the parent in that obedience. You understand that? Moms and dads, when kids don't obey, and I know that never happens in your house, occasionally it happens in mine. When the kids don't obey, that doesn't bring honor to the parent, does it? The same way it is with the Lord, right? When we obey the teachings of the Lord, we bring honor and glory to Him. When we disobey His teaching, we bring dishonor to Him and we do not glorify Him. Christ says, I'm going to fulfill the things you've done according to your will in order to bring you glory. But here's the beautiful part about the cross. The cross wasn't the end. So Jesus lives his life, he ministers, he walks to the cross, he willingly turns himself in, basically allows himself to be arrested, beaten, tortured, crucified, and for the world, at least in that moment, the disciples and the followers and all the other people, they thought it was over. But Christ says, I've come to die on the cross, and then three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. Why? To validate everything I've told you is true. Jesus says, I'm going to do all these things and then I'm going to prove it to you by raising from the dead. So three days after his death, after his burial, he comes back to life to prove to us that he really is who he says he is. Here's how one writer explained that. I just love this wording. It was as if, now watch, God pointed to the cross and said, this is what you think of my son And then he pointed to the resurrection and said, this is what I think of my son. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? The resurrection of Christ not only proves that Jesus was who he says he is, not only proves that he has authority over all things, but in his complete obedience to the Father through his death, burial, and resurrection, he brings glory to the Lord. Now I want you to notice the text again. Look with me again in verse 3. Verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Remember, salvation in Christ alone. Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here's truth number 3. Jesus was sent to accomplish the Father's will. Jesus was sent... To accomplish the Father's will. Now we've done the acronym already. Spirit, I mean sent, is spirit empowered, evangelistic, no limits. T, we're going to add T now this morning, total obedience. We are sent out in the power of the Spirit to reach the world for Christ with, with no limits of what we can accomplish and we're going to do it in total obedience. Why? Because that's what Christ modeled. We're not going to do it kind of halfway. We're not going to pick and choose. We're not going to decide we want to be faithful here and not faithful there. We're going to live our lives with the mindset that we have been sent through the power of the Spirit without limit to reach the world. And whatever the Lord calls us to do, whatever He sends us to do, we're going to do it in total obedience. 
I love these stories of Scripture of Moses and Abraham and Noah and all these people we've looked at and Paul. And it just, it, just, it just reoccurs to me every time I read it that these guys were nobodies until they were obedient to the calling of the Lord. And all of a sudden, they're just this incredible picture of faith and how God used them and how he worked through them. And I just wonder how many of us sometimes have missed the calling, have missed the sentness, have missed what the Lord wants to do in our lives. We're not totally obedient, and so the Lord's not using us. And we wonder, I just wonder what the Lord could do through me. I just wonder how the Lord, I wonder why the Lord doesn't use me like I wish he would. Maybe it's because we're not being obedient to his word. Maybe we're not bringing him honor and glory and trusting him and deepening our faith and trust. And God says, listen, if you just trust me, if you just listen to me, if you just follow me in total obedience, you would bring me honor and glory and I would do great things through you. The idea of total obedience sometimes is, is lost on us. I, I mentioned Luis just a few minutes ago. And I just really like that guy. I'm, I'm looking real forward to getting to know him more in Guatemala. He was telling me, though, again, as I drew it out, he didn't volunteer any of this stuff. This is a man who's in a Guatemalan church. His resources are extremely limited. And he started talking about missions. I, I asked him the question, and, and after he answered, I felt, like, I felt like I was about that tall. It's like, have you ever done any mission work? Like thinking he was going to say, no, I've never been able to do that. You know, that's kind of answer I expected. See? He says, and I, that means yes, by the way, if you don't know Spanish. I got that part. And through the translator, he says, yeah, I've been on about 45 or 50 mission trips. Really? Then I'm, I'm up in my seat. What, what, tell me, what have you been on? He said, I've been all over Central America. I've been to South America. He said, I've traveled to countries and I've, I've shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, where have you been to South America? I said, hey, well, I went to Colombia. I said, how did you get to Colombia? Well, he said, I, I drove, I packed a lunch and a, and a pack of water. So he said, I drove three days, three days, tres años, right? Three days. Dias, what's años? Three years. <laughs> On the podcast, I'm going to speak like six Sp- Spanish sentences. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be like, who is this guy? Whatever, three days, three days to get to Panama. He drives as far as he can drive. He gets out of the car. He gets in a canoe with a motor. And for two more days, he's on a river. And then he walks in inland and he goes and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He turns all back around and does it coming home. This guy now, this guy two different times had been arrested and tortured. I don't mean he got a stern talking to him. I mean he was literally tortured. And they said to him, don't you ever come back here and share Christ again. He continues to go. He continues to go. He continues to witness. He continues to share, oftentimes with no money, no resources, no idea how he's really going to get there. But he goes in total obedience and he trusts the Lord. And when he does it, the Lord does great things. I look at people like that and I look at his level of faith and his level of obedience. And first of all, I praise the Lord for him. But I just wonder who we could be if we trusted like that. If we said to the Lord, look, I'm not interested in money, Lord. I'm not interested in personal safety. I'm not interested in my selfish desires. I'm not interested in all things I'm interested in, Lord. I'm just going to give you a blank check and total obedience. Whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it regardless of what it may cost. How interested are we in living in total obedience to the Lord? How interested are we in giving everything for his kingdom?
Adoniram Judson was a, a famous missionary. He's known as America's first foreign missionary. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, I'm per- persuaded from Scripture and from the history of missions that God's design for the evangelism of the world and the consummation of his purposes includes the sufferings of his ministers and missionaries. In other words, total obedience regardless of what it cost. I'm going I'm to give everything. He graduated from college, graduated from seminary, was offered a good position in a church. This is the late 17, early 1800s. Offered a, offered a position in a, in a nice church in Boston. His family congratulated him. We're proud of you. You've done a nice job. We're excited you're going to be able to serve alongside us in Boston. And he said to them, nope, I'm not staying. Quote, my work is not here. God is calling me beyond the seas. To stay here, even to serve God in his ministry, I would only be partially obedient and I could not be happy in that. So he sailed to Burma, stayed for 38 years. His ministry led to over 50,000 converts and his influence is still very real today. Why? Because he was obedient. He said to the Lord, I'm willing to follow you in total obedience regardless of the cost. How much are we willing to obey? When are we going to wake up to the truth that God has called us to great things? If we'll just trust him and allow him to use us, he can accomplish things in our lives that we never thought possible. What is God sending you to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's very clear and compelling. It's sharper than a a two-edged sword sometimes, Father, cutting us deeply, convicting us. Father, I pray you would just help us to to not only understand the the truth of what Christ was saying and being sent and, and called and bringing glory to you and praying to you and and being totally obedient to you. I I pray we would not only understand that in the life of Christ, but we we would understand all those things should apply to our lives as well, Father. Total obedience and bringing glory to you and spending great amounts of time in prayer. Father, I I pray you, you would strengthen our faith and give us the ability and the desire to trust you more and to seek you more. And then use us, Lord, regardless of the cost, to accomplish great things for the sake of your kingdom. And we'll be sure to praise your name. You are holy and we bring you glory in all that we say and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open, as always. You can pray about God's call in your life, of his will, of what he wants to do for you. You can speak to me. But this is your opportunity. You respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.